Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cocaine Cowboys, the deadly rise of Ireland's drug lords, the live show is on sale now. We're on the road on February 10th at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick. February 15th in Cork's Everyman Theatre and on Sunday 18th we're back at Dublin's Three Olympia. April takes us to Galway's Town Hall Theatre, Killarney's INEC and Belfast's Waterfront Studios. Check mcd.ie or venue for ticket sales. She was tied up, hands and feet tied together, and then she was put in a, in a toilet and she was left there. She heard, you know, she heard his screams and cries and then obviously then he went silent. As the judge said, this was an appalling murder. If you inflict serious, you know, you intend to inflict serious, very serious harm and somebody dies, then that's murder. You know, 94 injuries, some of those injuries, that is definitely serious harm. I'm Nicola Tallent and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. A Turkish gang war sees a famous DJ kidnapped and tortured to death in a back room of a bar near Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Five men are charged, but all escape murder convictions despite 94 separate injuries identified by an autopsy report. But their trials give a unique glimpse into a secretive underworld ruled with fear, intimidation and violence and hidden deep within a London suburb. Today, I'm talking with journalist Chris Summers, who covers the Old Bailey Courts, about the extraordinary trials and the secretive world of ferocious Turkish gangs. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Listen, we hear it all, you particularly in the Old Bailey, hear all the, the gory details of a lot of people's, you know, last days on earth um, how they were murdered but this one really stands out doesn't it Chris? Yeah it's a shocking case and obviously when I was sort of writing about it and tweeting about it I had to leave out some of the uh, gorier details as you can imagine. Mm. So what happened this is a Turkish guy called Corey Alpergan he's the victim in this case so tell us what happened to him in October of 2022. Well firstly the, the funniest thing that you know the weirdest thing when it, you only realise when you actually go to the the, the crime scene is is how close it is to 
Tottenham Stadium. So, you know, Tottenham Hotspur, you know, famous football club, world known around the world, especially in Ireland, I imagine. Yeah. Um, they, they've got this brand new spanking stadium um, on Tottenham High Road. And on the, the other side of the street, literally on the other side of the street, is a, a bar or a restaurant called the Stadium Lounge. And um, yeah, in, in October 2022, um, that was the scene of this horrific, horrific crime uh, where a guy called Kore Albegin, who's who was very well known in the in the Turkish and Kurdish community in North London, because uh, he was a DJ, he, he owned a radio, ch- you know, Turkish language radio channel, um, so he's very well known. Um, he was abducted and, um, you know, horrifically tortured and, and killed. I mean, the, the judge made no doubt about it. He was murdered, mm-hmm. um, even though so far nobody has actually been convicted of murder. So what, what happened? Was he taken out of that venue and brought somewhere else? Or did this all happen kind of under the shadows of Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Yeah, I mean, there was there, there was a bit of CCTV footage which um, explained what was going on. But there was a lot sort of we didn't actually, obviously, we don't actually know. And there's a lot of speculation. But put it this way, um, so the night of October the 13th, 2022, he went on a on a date with his uh, his Turkish girlfriend uh, Gozde Dalgudak, um, who was visiting from Turkey. It was her first time in London, and, and no doubt her last. Um, she she was over. They went to a very nice restaurant in in Mayfair, at a you know, probably a very nice evening, and then came back to his um, flat in uh, Enfield which is a little, little bit north of uh, Tottenham. And there, um, they were suddenly uh, attacked by this gang who, who, who were in a van. Mm. And um, this was about sort of 10 o'clock at night. They, um, they, th- this gang grabbed both of them, put them in the back of the van, and you know drove off and then took them to the stadium lounge, to the back of the stadium lounge. And... Um, it was there that you know the, over the following few hours that he was he was tortured to death. He was he probably died sometime before four a.m. in the morning. More than ninety injuries were described during the court case. Um, what was this lounge? I mean, you're talking about ten o'clock at night. Though so the lounge was full of punters. Was it uh, was it open? Was it serving drinks? No, it was. It was actually. Uh, it was. It was closed. It was sort of being refurbished. Um, in fact, one of the uh, individuals who was supposed to be sort of part of that, you know, people refurbishing it, Talit Guzel, his name is, he has since been shot dead. He was shot dead in August this year, mm. very close by. Um, Rumour has it that he was sort of silenced. He was, um, you know, because he might have been, you know, go to the police or, you know, give evidence, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it was, it was closed at the time. It was, you know, shutters down on the front. Um, so, you know, the, the, the world didn't see what was going on in, in that sort of back room where he was tortured. One of the, one of the police officers described it as being like a, literally buying, being um, like a gangster movie. You know, you've, you've seen uh, probably some of the some pretty cruddy uh, London gangster movies where, you know, 
people are, you know, he wasn't hung up on a meat hook, but it was it was sort of on that sort of uh, scale mm. of, of torture. So where was the girlfriend when this was happening? Did they actually torture her or was she kept in a separate area? No, she was um, she was tied up, <coughs> tied her uh, hands and feet tied together. And then she was put in a, in a toilet, like a quite a sort of dirty toilet. And she was left there. She heard, you know, she heard his screams and cries. And I think obviously then he went silent and and she, the weird thing is that she was, she was kept there until the Saturday afternoon. And by coincidence, Tottenham were playing Everton that Saturday afternoon. Uh, I only worked this out during the trial. It wasn't mentioned during the trial, but they, um, they had a 5.30 PM kickoff and it was, it was about that time, about five o'clock that she was suddenly released. So I don't know why they chose that, you know, I don't know whether they were sort of umming and ahhing, shall we kill her or, or not? Um, but they, they decided to let her go. They sort of threatened her, don't go to the police, don't tell anyone. And and she just made her made her way to a, a Turkish restaurant in another part of London and, uh, you know, spilled the beans and then eventually was the police were called. And... He was dead at the scene. I mean, was there plans for the moving of the body or the hiding of it? What were they going to do? Well, it emerged during the trial, and that's certainly what the the jury's verdict of manslaughter in the two the case of the two men is that you know they never intended to kill him in the first place. Um, it, again, there's just speculation about why he was abducted, mm. why they, why he was tortured. Um, the, the judge said, you know, um, it appears that he, he either knew, he either had some money or some drugs or he had the knowledge about the whereabouts of money or drugs that um, these uh, people wanted. And that's probably what they were sort of torturing to get out of him. Mm. And whether whether he just didn't know what they were talking about and that's, or whether he was just being incredibly stoic and uh, wasn't giving it up. Uh, we don't know, but that's, that's why I, th- I think he just sort of, his heart gave out. He just died <clears throat> during the course of that torture. Um, so was, there was no intent to kill allegedly. Now, during the trials and so, so far, sorry, there's been five men have been jailed so far for their roles in this abduction and killing of Corey. We were just talking before we came on, you know, there's no exact details about how many were in the gang, but we've counted up, totted up nearly eight, nine, ten. People could have been involved in some way in the transporting and the kidnap and the uh, abduction and torture. There's no exact details of who was in the room with them when uh, those things were happening. but. This was a big gang. Yes, that's right. And um, I mean, there, there there were six people. Well, five were accused of murder, um, and two of those were convicted of manslaughter. One was convicted of uh, kidnap only. One was convicted of kidnap and false imprisonment, and another one was uh, cleared of all charges. But then on top of that, there's two more guys going on trial next year for murder um, and kidnap and false imprisonment. And then there are two others who were named during the trial, um, Ali Yildirim and Chem Orman, who are um, both Turkish. Mm. They uh, are now fugitives 
believed to be probably in Turkey. Um, whether they will ever see a day in court, who knows? And we had the guy you referred to who has since been shot dead. Yes, he he may have been he may have been charged at some point as well because um, two of the people, you know, the, the ones who are going on trial next year, they were only charged in October. It was actually during the trial. Mm. Um, so it's the police are obviously still working this case, and uh, we're, we're. I mean, the other unanswered question is is who was behind it you know was there some mr big who directed it or whatever told all these people you know this is why i want to know where my drugs are or whatever so um the girlfriend basically raised the alarm the police uh rushed over to this stadium pub and were there was there anybody still at the scene or was his body just there um no i think um well what happened uh, they they later worked out is that the body uh, was transported about four o'clock in the morning. It was taken to a trading estate um, in Tottenham to a uh, a guy there who, who owned a, a unit, um, and the body was then transferred from um, out of the car of a guy called Ali Kavak to a um, a stolen car, and then it was later the next day. I think on the yeah on the Friday, it was um, driven to uh, Loughton, which is you know on the edge outskirts of London, and there it was just dumped. Body was just dumped by an industrial estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, no no efforts to sort of de- bury it or burn it or anything like that. It was just mm-hmm. just dumped uh, naked, um, and then the, obviously they they got rid of the the stolen car and they burnt out the the van where they. They'd used to kidnap the um, Corre. Um, so and the, the two. The scene itself, Kavak, I'm sure there was a lot of evidence left there. Yeah. I mean, they. I think they were probably quite forensically aware. There wasn't a lot of uh, evidence, um, but there was so much um, other evidence to prove, you know, that the involvement. Um, Ali Kavak and another guy, you get Herman, they were. They immediately tried to leave the country. They they got a paid cash to get a taxi to Folkestone, and they were on their way to Amsterdam mm. uh, when the you know the police uh, caught you know caught them and stopped them and arrested them. Um, and then you know the police slowly put it together, you know who who was involved and what had been going on. Uh, they they sort of traced it all back from where the body was found. They you know, they trace the, um, I don't know if you have it in, in uh, Ireland, uh, ANPR cameras or yeah. automatic number number plate recognition, but they, they use those to sort of trace this van and where it come from. And um, they, they basically sort of put the puzzle together. And as regards the injuries and the cause of death, I mean, did they go into detail about how he was tortured and what each of those individual 94 injuries were caused by or how? Um, no, there was, there was, um, no, I mean, there was obviously a pathologist report. Um, he had a number of broken, broken, uh, ribs and, um, <clears throat> you know, a severe, he had severe head injuries. So he'd been either sort of struck over the head or, you know, had his head banged against a wall or something. Um, and other rather more personal gruesome injuries you know as you can imagine if you're torturing somebody but um 
they didn't go into details about not quite sure if there was an actual cause of death. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, it was just a combination of his injuries. I think. It could have been a cardiac arrest as due to mm-hmm. um, them. Now, there was a victim impact statement read out in the court and uh, a little bit of detail about the victim was heard. He was had a son, I think, a teenage son um, and a daughter. And um, I mean, the, the barbaric torture of the victim was kind of uh, laid bare really in that and and how is this family going to speak to the children about how the their loved one died? Yeah, I mean, um, Corey had uh, two children who were, when he died, he had a 15-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter. And, um, you know, can imagine how awful it was for them and especially for the family trying to keep the details from them, you know, they were obviously they 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 wanted to know where their dad is and what happened to him, but you know they obviously wanted to tell them, but they didn't want to tell them the the true nature of um, you know as yeah Millie's his his cousin said, you know how do we uh, tell them about the barbaric torture that their father and uncle experienced, um, mm. and then the the um the son then gave a victim impact statement where he he's he describes he has nightmares he um you know he just he doesn't feel safe doesn't trust anyone so yeah the the ripples of this crime are mm-hmm. significant so well there's obviously some suggestion that there was you know drugs or something involved in this what do we know in particular about the gang that fled members of which fled to Amsterdam in the aftermath of this. Clearly, they are involved in organised crime at some level. Do you have any idea where they sit? Yeah, they're, they're, well, there is a significant history of this gang. Uh, they are sometimes known as the Tottenham Turks or um, the Tottenham Boys, um, which is, you know, it was, it was a point when, when they were sentencing uh, this week one of the defendants, because the um, so there's, there's a mixture. One, one of the Ali Kavak is, is obviously uh, of Turkish origin, but um, to, to Gene Kennedy, one of the other guys sentenced was is black, and you know there there were a mixture of well, it's mainly mainly black uh, defendants, um, and one of the uh, to Gene Kennedy's uh, lawyer was trying to say, well, clearly my my um, Client is not a member of the Tottenham Turks. He's not Turkish, mm. but um, that is that is nonsense, really. I mean, because um, as anybody who knows this gang um, that knows that they they are very closely linked to, um, you know, the Tot- Tottenham Boys is is more of a you know um, a mixture of black and and Turkish criminals who um, they often get you know black guys to do the. Um, you know, hitman jobs. There, there's numerous um, murders uh, in the in North London, which uh, where you know you'll see the victim Turkish, but the the people convicted of it were um, black guys, and 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 they're. I'm not. I'm not being. You know, it sounds like I'm making some racial remark, but um, it, it's basically they are you know local London guys who mix together. And in, in Tottenham is a very multicultural area. Mm-hmm. Big Turkish community, big um, you know Afro Caribbean community, um, 
and they they all mix together and and you know naturally the, the criminals mix together as well so um you know it, it's it's a it's a misnomer to say that because Tajin Kennedy is not Turkish she wasn't part of the gang I mean he, um, it's not like the mafia where you have to be Italian to be in the mafia or the yeah. La Costa Nostra, you know, it's, uh, that's, it's a bit of a blurring, but the, the, yeah, the, the Totten Turks and their, their rival is a, is a gang in the Hackney called the Hackney Turks. Um, they have done numerous, you know, tit for tat murders over the years. Uh, the Tottenham Turks are kind of run by a, a family called the Erens, E-R-E-N, um, which is a number of brothers. One of them, Kamal Eren, is is believed to be in in Turkey, but still still pulling the strings, still mm-hmm. ordering. Uh, a, there was a, cri- a trial last year, which I covered, where he was uh, using EncroChat to, um, you know, get guys again, you know, black black uh, guys in North London to do his bidding. Uh, in in you know in that case, so. The t- Turkish they, they gangs have a, a reputation of being extremely violent, um, but clearly this, the, the Tottenham Turks, as we'll call them, had never gone this far before, or that we know of. Has there been people who went, who disappeared? Has there been bodies, you know, missing? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the somebody, you know, I spoke to several people in the Turkish community, um, including... Uh, Corey's one of his best friends, Mehmet Korkmaz. Um, but one of the other people I spoke to said that um, it's it's so underreported. The you know crime in 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 the Turkish community. They apparently there there was a, a sort of house which was used as a torture chamber. Mm. Um, you know in in the in Tottenham for quite a while, which never never got reported, never sort of came out. Um, but any, you know the community knew that that was going on. So there's there's a lot of underreporting. Um, they they also claim that there's not enough Turkish speaking police officers. Um, mm. You know, um, so it's difficult to sort of get into that community, um, get you know undercover or whatever. So there's a sense that the Tottenham Turks are kind of running their own communities themselves. Yeah, yeah, they, they, well, they, no doubt, they, they, there's a lot of fear of of that name or that brand name, if you, mm. if you will, um, and there's no doubt a lot of money involved. You know, they're they're bringing in a lot of drugs. I imagine it's mainly heroin. You know, mm. Turkey tends to be heroin, doesn't it? Yeah, but um, and and with money with drugs like that, there's a lot of money involved. So there's people. Keeping quiet, mainly mainly out of fear, but possibly because there's there's money in it for them. You know. Like we should be deeply shocked by this story, and I mean, I'm talking about people listening in the UK as well. It seems to me that a lot of stuff that goes on in the UK is underreported. A lot of crime, a lot of organised crime. It's so multicultural, and is it difficult as well for the journalist to get a handle on it about who people are? Where they're sitting in the underworld, you know how big the gangs have got, etc. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this case has really got to me a bit, like a bit like the Jerry Hutch trial. Um, listening to your podcast, I, I know you got really, really involved in that one, and mm. I think I got a bit addicted to this trial. I, I went, you know, almost every day, and I, you know, there's so many characters involved. There's so many sort of there's several other trials that are, you know. 
going on in parallel. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely there's so much going on in this case, and there's so much that we don't know. I'm not. I, I, some guy has, has promised to uh, to spill the beans, tell me the whole story of who's actually behind it, um, which uh, I'm, I'm hoping to meet up meet up with him in the next few weeks. But um, yeah, I mean, and it's interesting that this Tottenham is is actually. It's the constituency of David Lammy, who is currently Shadow Home Secretary. Um, oh, sorry, Shadow Foreign Secretary. You think he used to be um, Shadow Home Secretary, but um, so yeah, he. If Labour win the next government, he'll he'll be kind of a big big wig in that. But whether he will anything be able to do anything about it, I don't know. But um, it's sort of you mean about the trial. It sort of gave you a window into. Um, what was going on in a certain community that you wouldn't have otherwise had a clue. You get a bit of a snapshot, don't you, in a trial and you, you get a little bit of a sense of who everyone is and where their positioning is. And um, like, what would the population of Tottenham be and what would be the Turkish population? Would you have any idea? Uh, I can't, I, I can't remember the, uh, well, I don't know what the population of the, it's part of the London borough of Haringey, but um, the, the, yeah, the Turkish community. Turkish, Kurdish. I mean, they are sort mm. of so closely mixed up that it's difficult to separate them. Is about six hundred thousand in yes. um, Tottenham, Enfield, mainly sort of those parts of North London. Um, so it's quite a significant number, you know. We forget large. how large London is. I think sometimes when you go and you just see that the uh, the crowds and the the traffic and it is so vast, isn't it? What's the population of London, the Greater London area? Do you know? I, I I've lost track. Is it ten million? Or right. I think it might be um, possibly north of that. You know, it's uh, that's our yeah. entire country, north and south, plus some. Uh, yes, right, you know? yeah. So yeah. that and that's just London alone. It's just it's interesting to kind of get a. a, a, a grasp on what it is you're talking about. You know, you talk about of a suburb here in Dublin, and you know a very, very big suburb would have 100,000 in the population. So you're, mm. you're talking six times that in Tottenham alone. Yeah, well, I, I wonder whether um, this guy, Tajin Kennedy, who was like the main sort of scariest dude in this trial, uh, what his Irish origins are with a name like Kennedy. I know, so. for goodness sake, we don't want <laughs> him. You can keep him now, Tajin Kennedy. What was his yeah, well, he, role in it? Well, he got the longest sentence. He got uh, 20 years for manslaughter. Um, and the, I, I, I feel that the judge really wanted, you know, was quite frustrated that they were, you know, that he hadn't been convicted of murder. Mm. Um, but, um, and their defense, their defense was that they didn't mean to kill him. Yeah. Their defense was that they, they, well, they didn't plead guilty. Well, I mean, obviously, no, they, actually, pled, they pled not guilty for a start. But yeah, I mean, exactly. He Kennedy denied anything to do with it. I wasn't there. I wasn't the um, the, the. He was referred to as the man in black during the trial. There was a, a key individual who was the man in black, mm. and um, one of his co-defendants, Ali Kavak, named Kennedy. He was the man in black, um, which is you know a bit like grassing up your uh, yeah. You know, it's not gonna not gonna go down well. Um, and he uh, he denied everything and refused to give evidence. But despite that, you know, he 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 got just a month manslaughter. But yeah, I guess they're 
that from the jury's point of view, they were saying, well, they kidnapped them. They may have, you know, known that they were going to be kidnapped and, mm-hmm. but they didn't realize the extent of what, you know, sort of torture was going to go on. And Were the jury uh, given the option of both, of murder or manslaughter? Did, yes, they yeah. were from quite, from quite an early stage of it, I think, possibly right at the beginning of the trial. Um, right. Which, um, yeah, I mean, to a lot of trial watchers, you know, people who watch the trial, they they can't, they sort of struggle to understand how you can be guilty of manslaughter because, as the judge said, this was an appalling murder. Yeah. Um, whoever conflicted those injuries murdered them. You know, you because the the legal definition is if you inflict serious, you know, you intend to inflict serious. Mm-hmm. very serious harm and somebody dies, then that's murder. You know, it's only if you intend to um, hurt, cause some harm and somebody dies, then that's manslaughter. But, you know, 94 injuries, some of those injuries, yeah. that is definitely serious harm. So, And on the, top the, of that, the kidnap before this torture uh, proved, you know, proved that they intended as well to do it because they, it wasn't as if they just sort of stumbled upon it or it was a fight that broke out. This was no. a focus. They were obviously kept under surveillance after they had that meal out that night in Mayfair. They were kidnapped, bundled up, brought to this uh, torture room. Uh, so it it seems to me to be quite an extraordinary verdict by the jury. But of course, yes. I, I mean, I wouldn't go... I wouldn't go so far as to call it a perverse verdict, but um, you, you, some some may say say it was. Um, but yeah, I think the the judge actually seemed to sort of struggle with knowing how to sentence them because she was trying to work out what was in the jury's head when they when they came up with that verdict. So, um, you know, arguably maybe they should in, introduce sort of questionnaires for for, for verdict juries, and they they have to fill in their sort of reasoning of their mm-hmm. verdict, but. All because you know all, all they had to go on was guilty of this, not guilty of that. You know, and I mean, you you sat through as you said every day of it yourself, so you you did hear the evidence that they heard, um, and clearly have a different view of maybe what the outcome should have been. Um, would the state appeal this? Um, Are they in a position to appeal it when there's been a, a jury? I yeah, I did wonder actually whether they could appeal it. Um, I think. They, I think they would struggle because I think they would, you know, they, it's, I mean, I don't want to be harsh but on, the, on the prosecutor, but, you know, it's almost as if, well, you've dropped the ball sort of thing. You know, you, mm. you brought all the evidence and, you know, if you could, if you can get a murder conviction, then that's nobody's fault, but, but, you know, yours, um, you can't really have another go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't think, I think they're going to struggle, we struggle with that. Um, yeah. So look, when you meet your contact and you, you, you get the details that you're hoping to get, uh, the background, the Mr. Big behind all this, we'd be very interested to hear from you again. And also, uh, one of our own is headed for you in the, in the old Bailey, of course, in the early new year, Liam Byrne. So you'll have to. Oh, is he right? Yes. yes. I saw he was arrested. Uh, so he's now been extradited. Yes. yes. And I think his first appearance is in January 8th. So you might come on and tell us about that as well. Okay, yeah. Yeah, right. I look forward to He's the, well, yes, he's... He's one of our Mr. He's, Biggs. <laughs> he's, link, he's part of the Kinnigan. Absolutely, hotel, yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. No, he's it's been it's been he's been described in court during a criminal assets bureau case as the head of the Burn Organized Crime Group, which is a subset of the Kinahan Organized Crime Group. He was the, the Dublin head of it, basically. So um, it's I suppose that's still an allegation, is it? But it's been certainly read through the court record. So uh, it's it's exactly what he is. But yeah, so we, we'll talk about that in the new year and um, best of luck with your inquiries on this because it definitely is a fascinating story. It's a an under, literally an underworld that we don't know very much about the, mm. you know, the Turkish groupings in, in that part of the UK and probably beyond. So Chris Summers, thank you very much. Thanks very much. Have a good Christmas. You too. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.